Praise the Lord. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, there's a verse, and it's really awesome because it's the entire book of Galatians is really written about um, true freedom, true freedom in Christ, and, and not forgetting, not going back to bondage. It's like this entire six chapters of, of Paul writing to this, to this area of people that were subject to being known for following Jesus, but yet falling back into something that was bondage, back into something that was captivity to them. And so this entire book, if you can read it, it's only six chapters, but it's excellent. And when, when you do read it, you're like, wow, this is saying some stuff that Paul said some really hardcore stuff, like got right in their face. And I think sometimes that's what we need is in our face truth. Amen? Amen. And you guys know how we operate here. It's, it's, uh, it's all interaction. If you don't interact, so that's a good move to move away from the front. That's okay. I, I, I don't blame you one bit. Um, yeah, there's very few people that sit towards the front and they, they know that they either get splashed or something. Or I'll be, I'll be nice. I'll be nice. I promise. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says this. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Hallelujah. I mean, even in that, you're like, wow. And then he says, now make sure, make sure that you stay free. That you stay free and don't get tied up again into, into the slavery, which is the law, or into slavery of the law, slavery to the law. Now that sounds like, well, wait a second, what, what's he saying there? Because here's what, here's what is happening here is so many of these people were getting subjected to this uh, gospel that wasn't a gospel. That was a, you know, as, as, as Paul came in preaching the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ who saves those who are lost, who heals those who are sick, who sets captives free or bound up, and, and, and he provides for all of his children and yet there's people coming in right behind him that were saying, yeah, but you got to do this and that. And you got to make sure that you don't do all of those things that you used to do. And you, mean, you need to make sure that you keep the law, keep the law and keep it, keep it true. And you got you to even, I can say this, is you got to even get circumcised. Ooh. I, I, I mean, what's that mean? <laughs> like. That was, in, in that day, in, in Jewish history, we know that circumcision was something that you did, even if you were a, born a Jew, you did it eight days after you were born a Jew. So you were a, a baby still. You guys following me? It's a little easier to do as a baby. If you can understand what it is, I mean, does everybody in the room know what circumcision is it's the foreskin of the male part that is cut away and it's it's symbolic of God caught cutting away the flesh so that the spirit is alive and he's saying this is what I'm saying you are now marked you are mine you are a chosen person by God and so they were saying well these people that were uncircumcised, they were Gentiles that had chosen to follow Jesus and said, yes, I received this grace. And these people coming behind, these Jewish 
religious people were saying, now you have to do all these other things. So it's, yeah, that Jesus stuff is good and cool, but you also have to do this. Do you, do you hear what he's saying here? And he's saying that this was, by, for by Christ you've been set free, so make sure you stay free and don't get bound up again to the bondage of rules and regulations and the law. Especially that one. In fact, Paul says something super cruel in the midst of that Galatians writing. And I'm just going to go from memory. I'm not going to look it up. If you want to look it up, he says, he says, those people that are preaching this gospel, which is not a gospel, he's talking about and, and are requiring you to be circumcised. And this is what Paul says it. I don't know if you remember this wording, but he says it almost exactly like this. I wish that he would slip the knife and cut the whole thing off. I'm not joking. That's in the Bible. I'm not going to tell you where. You've got to find it yourself. Oh, you found it. Gosh. Dang uh, Ouch. Gosh, i got to take a break here for a second. Anybody got an ice pack? So here's what we're going with this morning. I'm going to go to John chapter 8 because, and I, I should have encouraged um, everyone to read the entire chapter. 59 verses in John chapter 8. So it's, it's a lengthy chapter, if you will, but it's, um, it's such a good one because it starts out with something really amazing that, jo- that Jesus does. Uh, you know, he's, he's, this is nearing the end of his life, and he's already made a name for himself. He's got a reputation for loving people that are unlovable, for forgiving the unforgivable, for healing people that don't deserve to be healing, like, healed like the lepers, and those who, who women who were bleeding, and, and things that were happening, and, and, and so he's got this reputation for doing the unthinkable things, especially according to the religious leaders, especially to them, it was like he was offensive to the hilt. I mean, I, I think of like if Jesus were to step foot in our day today, oh man, would he raise a ruckus? Would he cause some, what do, you, what do they say? Yeah, he caused the boat to be rocked. I mean, he would rock the boat so bad, I think people would be jumping ship because that baby would be a shaking. Maybe he needs to show up. I, in the middle of worship, I was, I was asking, Lord, this would be a really good time to just come. I, did, you, did you? I really felt like this is a good time, Jesus. Come now. I, I, was, I, was, I was caught up in it and feeling it, so I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I hope we all are too. My prayer is that we all are. So here's what happens. So, so the religious leaders, they bring to Jesus this woman who's caught in the very act of adultery. <laughs> now even in that is like it's saying something to, to some, to, if we read between the lines, if you so, if, it, how is she caught in the very act of adultery? By the religious leaders, by the Pharisees. There's a lot that would say that it was with one of them that set her up. And, of course, he was off the hook. But she was brought to Jesus to condemn and to judge. And Jesus just ignores them. 
You say, hey, teacher, you know, the very law says that if a woman is caught in adultery, even though I'm pretty sure it's anyone that's caught in adultery, so where was the dude? I don't know. It's probably the one bringing her. Very well could have been. And is, it, then she is subject to uh, death, to be stoned. And he says, so he just ignores them, just ignores them all. Kind of leans down and starts writing in the dust, <laughs> which is interesting. And they're like, hey, hey, Jesus, come on, we're talking to you. We've got a situation here. You've got to deal with this. And oh, David and Paula, it's so good to see you guys. I, I'm sorry if I just went on without like, wow, what a treat. I, it's just like, wow, bless you guys. So good to see. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, it's good to see you. That's all I could say. Thank you, Jesus. I love you guys. We pray for you guys often, often. So where was I at? I was distracted. Man, squirrels come in this place, and I don't know where I go. You guys got to keep me focused here, okay? So he's, oh, he's down in the dust, and he's writing something, and they say, hey, Jesus, what's going on here? What do we do? It's like, or, or more like, what are you going to do? And Jesus, knowing that they were trying to trap him, uh, just keeps writing and, until they finally like, almost like, hey, come on, Jesus, deal with this. And he's like, all right. So he stands up and he says, and this is a, a famous saying, whoever is without sin. In fact, even in the Greek, it says, whoever is without this sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. Go ahead and throw the first rock. I mean, if you're, if you're without sin, you get to throw a rock at this woman. It's not such an interesting thing, and yet it's so revealing, and it's so deep. <laughs> I wonder, gosh, how many of us would be throwing rocks at each other if we just applied that very piece of truth to our lives? I think we'd be a lot less uh, rock throwing with our words, that is. And yet we are, have a tendency to just throw rocks so easily. Whoever is without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. And then of course, they, and he leans down again and he starts writing some more. Starts writing some more. And it's been, uh, been kind of uh, said that what he was writing was each of the person's names that were, had rocks in their hands. And... Uh, and then some even, some even suggest that he might have been saying who you committed, they committed adultery with. Like, that's how deep he was getting. Of course, we don't have that written, but there's been a lot of people that have, because they each slowly went away. But they didn't go far. They didn't go far. They just went away from that situation. And then Jesus stands up and he says... Where's your accusers? Well, they've all left. He says, neither do I accuse you. But go and sin no more. You are free. And what a cool thing. And I don't know if that's something we, somebody just needs to hear this morning. Is the accusers are ready to pounce at any given moment. But Jesus is ready to just receive at every moment. At every moment, at any moment in your life, that you are just simply 
that, that you simply come to the place of saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, just take me as I am. I'm a mess, and I've made a mess, but take me as I am. And his arms are so wide open, so wide open. It doesn't matter the, bit, the mess. If you can bring the whole mess to him, he can handle it. He can handle it. Because that's what we might think is like, ah, oh, this is way too much of a mess for you. Even you, Jesus, might not be able to handle this stuff I've made. And he says, no, nah, I can handle it. I can handle it. That's so awesome. And that, even in that is freeing. And so, so we get to this place where Jesus now, like I said, John chapter 8. I'm going to kind of hit a lot of this because I, I think it's such a, an amazing passage of Scripture. Uh, he, he goes on to start teaching those who, who were uh, not really believing in him. And, and he, he, sa- he talks about him being the light and a light that's shining. And, and, uh, uh, and as he's shining this light, because see what light does is what does light do as it shines in a room? Yeah, it snuffs the darkness out. And it, and, it, and it does something else, though, is it, is it exposes and it shows, reveals what is really there. Hello? Because in darkness, we can hide. In darkness, we can, we can cover up. In darkness, we can, we can not let anybody see what's really going on. But in light is when we really see what's going on. Uh, you guys know I, I used to still do every now and then and... Uh, do stucco work well it, there's something that that if I could share this it, it's kind of an interesting little phenomenon it's not though because it's just simply light and shadows and um, you know we stucco the outside exterior walls of a building and uh, the building after you would get done with stucco in this building and and when it, when the sun wasn't shining on it in the shade so to speak it looked Perfect. Perfect. And you could see it and stuff, but it looked perfect. And then the sun would come up, you know, let's say, okay, I'm just going to see if I can portray what this is. A sun, you know, here's a wall, and the sun would come up over, and as soon as it got like to where it was just right over top of the wall, all of a sudden, all the, sh- all the lines and all the imperfections would start to reveal themselves. Like, oh man, what happened to my perfect wall? Sun, go away, go away. No. Now I see all the little dips and nooks and crannies, right, Andy? It was like, oh, gosh, now it looks, what happened? It, it, it did look perfect until the sun shined on it. Shone on it, shined on it. But that's what happens, and that's what Jesus is saying. I am this light that has come. And what he was doing was setting up what is, what is um, a conversation that he's having with these Pharisees, with these religious leaders. Like I said, they were the ones that brought the brought the woman and now they're kind of standing off and um and as he talks about this light they say well wait a second who are you to say who you are it's like you're making this claim about being a light and and it's like there's nobody even behind you. it's like hey hey." (laughs) and that's where Jesus gets into this great discourse and says no my father and I are one and what I say I only say what my father says tells me to say says, you judge me by human standards, this is verse 15, but I do not judge anyone. In fact, he, all, he even goes on to say that, um, you know, where I'm going, you cannot come. 
says, because I am going to the Father. He said, you follow, you follow your own father, which he is a liar. Uh, he's talking about the devil. Since, and then he goes on this. Like I said, I'm kind of just hitting this because I want to get to some stuff that Jesus is saying. In verse 19 says, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would know who my father is. And then he says this. This is, this is interesting. Um, In verse 20, oh gosh, 25, he said, they asked him, who are, who are you, they demanded. Jesus replied, the one I have always claimed to be. I have much to say about you, but listen to this. I have much to say about you and much to condemn. Yikes. But I won't. But I won't, for I say only what I have heard from the one who sent me, and he is completely truthful. Just hear that for a second. Let's just camp there for about three minutes. Jesus, knowing everyone's heart, knowing the motives of your heart, says, I have much to say about what's in your heart. I can condemn each and every one of you but I won't let's just take a, a, a step back let's how about this let's get in the back seat of Jesus's car and let him drive and let him direct us and let him and, and let's follow his lead follow his lead isn't it the easiest thing to do to speak condemnation over anybody, anybody, at any, to anybody, at any time? Do you, have you ever noticed how easy it is to find fault in others? Hello? Yeah. It, it's as though, you know, when Jesus said that, that and he taught, taught this thing about, about, you know, us having a log in our eye. I'm thinking like a log. I wish I could pick up a, I, I didn't even plan to do this. A log out of our own eye. Sticking out and we're walking around, you know, log eye. Like this, you know, right over, it's sticking out so far that it's like, but we don't see it. All we see is a splinter in everybody else's eye. Interesting, huh? More than interesting, it's like it's enlightening to where it's like, wow, maybe I should stop for a second. And be a little less quick to condemn and quicker to forgive and show mercy and kindness. I don't know what you're going through. I know some, to some degree. But I really don't know. You don't know what I'm going through. You might know to some degree, but you really don't know. And we're so quick to condemn and cast stones and Jesus is so quick to forgive and show mercy. Let's get in the back seat. Let's slow down a little bit. Let's let him take us because I believe that's where true freedom exists is just following Jesus. In fact, that's what he says a little later on. He goes on to say, and even to the, in fact, he even says it to the people who believed him. So he's having this conversation amongst the crowd to people who are choosing not to trust him and believe him, and then people who are choosing 
to believe him. I didn't mean to go this side and that side. So not that you guys are over here, the unbelievers, the believers, like you guys win, by the way. Yeah, Just, sorry, sorry you sat over there. That's all right. There's room over here on this side, though. So Jesus said to the people who believed him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see how important it is that he's saying knowing truth is completely dependent on holding to his teaching. His teaching, what Jesus said, truth, are synonymous. They do not separate themselves. And in that truth that we know is where we find true freedom. And only in that truth that we know that Jesus teaches do we find true freedom. Hello? And I know we're celebrating the freedom of our country, but this is where true freedom lies. In knowing the words of Jesus and doing them. That's where true freedom lies. Amen? And then they, they, some, these, some of them got offended and upset because they even, because Jesus had the audacity to imply that they were in captivity or in bondage to anyone. We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in captivity or bondage to anyone, which is just idiotic. I mean, it's ignorant. I mean, if it, it's, I mean I'm surprised Jesus didn't say, you guys are just stupid. Because <laughs> they were at that point. Uh, say, I mean, he kind of gives them that. He takes it a step farther. It's like, no, you realize you're not Abraham's descendants. Because if you were, you would do as Abraham did. And Abraham actually looked forward to me coming. He longed for the day that he could see me present. Because he knew that that's where salvation took place. So if you were truly Abraham's descendant, you would say, Thank you, Jesus, you are here. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, he's brought us a savior. Amen? Amen. But instead, you follow your father, which is the devil. Yikes. But he says it this way. He says, some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. My message is freedom. Make room in your hearts for it. And he goes on, and he, the, 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 the stuff that he tells them is really hardcore. So much so that they are ready to stone him. They are ready to kill him right there on the spot. Because he, he says and speaks the truth. That what you're listening to, people, is not of me. And if you were, you would love me. You would follow me. And you'd be set free. Verse 47 of John chapter 8 says this. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. That's a hard thing to hear. But they needed to hear it. Just as we need to hear what true freedom actually is. What it consists of. And I want to share this, and I'm going to, do, I'm going to hit these. I, I believe there's three major areas of freedom that cover all aspects of life. In fact, there's major areas, and in the major areas, there's all these little fingers of minor areas. And I'm just going to hit the three major areas, because I think that there's something that 
When you think of freedom in Christ, you are free in Christ. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? It's probably the major area in your life that you are working on allowing Christ to set you free from. Hello? Hello? Anybody? All right, I'll bring up the three then. But first, I believe there's an umbrella of one, one that covers all. In fact, I would say, I could even say, um, because Jesus said, I, it's for freedom that I came, it's for freedom that I came to set people free, those who are in bondage. And I believe that there's one thing that is the strongest chain of bondage over all mankind. One thing. What would you say it is? Come on, somebody help me. Pride is good. Pride's good. Oppression, huh? Unbelief. Man, those are all really good. There might be two or three things. Okay. <laughs> Rebellion. Gosh, you guys are, man, you guys are smart and stuff. <laughs> What's that? The law. That's, you're getting closer to what I was thinking. You guys have good thoughts, though. I like what you guys are thinking because I don't think any of you are wrong. I think those are all really good. But I think one kind of covers all of that. What? Death? That's, that's, that's a whole nother subject. But that's a good one, too. Because he said he set us free from sin and death. Amen? But there's one that is a chain that I believe that holds us in bondage. I think it's... I said, maybe I said it and I needed it. Maybe it's the strongest chain that holds people in bondage. Religion. Religion is the strongest chain because here's what we might think is sin is that one strong. Oh, I'm bondage to sin. Yeah, but I've seen, I've seen and I've read and I've seen and I've read and I've seen and I've seen and I've seen Jesus set people free from sin over and over again. Including myself, hallelujah. But it's the religious that have such a strong bond. Even Jesus said it, because you have no room for my message in your hearts, because religion has taken its place and holds so strongly to that place in your heart that you can't even hear the words I'm speaking. It's not that you can't even receive them, but you can't even hear them. You don't even hear them. So when we speak of this freedom, you're offended at the very idea, the implication that I need it. Because those who are caught in sin, we know, we know we need freedom. We know we need help. Hallelujah. Come on, I better get somebody excited about that. Because I know that all you are all sinners. And me too. I'm right here. I'm, I'm in the same page as you guys. And we know that we need help and we can't do it on our own. And I really, really suck at trying to do it on my own. I do. And I know all of you do too because that's why we get so like, oh, I need help again. <laughs> my dear sister Gina, here I am again. I need help again. Yeah. I say, I say it every day. Jesus, I need help again. <laughs> 
But when religion steps in, I don't need any help. I'm just fine. I'm just fine. I'm good to go. I got this. In fact, I, 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 okay, I'll, I'll, I'll sum it up in, in my words in a quick statement. Is, is, is my man's attempt to get right with God without God. Which is actually ludicrous. I mean, but it, it's what defines religion is when man makes an attempt in man's power, strength, uh, I was going to say wisdom, but it's not wise. Uh, smartness, if you will. Uh, intellect. Uh, uh, deeds, good deeds. Uh, those things that when we try to do all these things to be right, get right, stay right with God in our own strength, power, and might. And that's... And so much so we impose it on others. And that's what I was talking about the Galatians that where Paul came in preaching the gospel... The good news of Jesus, who saves the lost, heals the hurting, sets free the captives. And they said, no, but you got to do this too. You got to do that too. And you can't do any of that, that other stuff. Three areas, I didn't get to them yet. I'll, I'll, I'll be quick with them because I think that they're... Uh, like I said, they're, they're a little vague, but at the same time, they, they cover a lot of it. First one is freedom from sin, which we've been talking about it. Freedom from sin. Do we realize the simplicity of parenting sometimes if we were to apply it to our relationship with God I think we'd step back and say wow what was I thinking have you ever noticed that every time you tell a child and it doesn't matter whether they're 2 or 18 or 25 or 40 don't do this what are they gonna do they're gonna go do it hello it's a, it, it, and if they don't, they've done it in their heart. They're doing it in their, in their, because it's like now you've, you've set up this don't do thing that now I am compelled to go and want to try it. Now, forgive me, or, or don't forgive me, but uh, be careful that we don't set parameters. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm implying. That's not what I'm saying at all. Guidelines are good to have. In fact, that's what I'm going to talk about the last one. Um, but when we get our eyes onto the thing that we're not supposed to do or do supposed to do, bad language there, but English, <laughs> that's the thing that binds us up and holds us up and trips us up. So the key to freedom from sin is to simply get your eyes off, get your eyes on Him and off of sin. I know that sounds so simple and it's such a, it's a neat little pun and we could tweet it or whatever. But get your eyes on him and off of sin. So when I, when, you know, because we have been set free and he has made us a new creation. He has set us free from the bondage of sin. He's removed that from us. That old nature is out of us. So quit looking at it. 
So it's the eyes. Get your eyes on him and off of sin. Hello? And that's in the Bible all over the place. Set your gaze on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on him. That's where freedom comes. And we know this. Anybody that knows it, that, that struggles with any addiction is when you, you, you keep focusing on it, you're going to stay in it. Hello? That's why it's important to, and my brothers, George and Debbie, and, and everybody that's a part, and Mark, and I know that there's many of us that are part of uh, recovery groups, and you have to look to a higher power. Do you see what that's all about? It's looking to something that's greater than you. And that is Jesus. He is Jesus. Hello? Come on, man. I'm excited about that. That's, that's where true freedom lies. Is Freedom from sin is getting your eyes off of it. Quit focusing on the, all the do's and don'ts of life. I know that... Is that risky for a preacher to say that? Probably. Oh, the preacher told me I could just, I could do whatever I want. Yeah. I don't even have to worry about it anymore. That's not what he said. Hey. Yeah. I might, I might have said it. <laughs> Second major uh, area is financial freedom. This is awesome because I believe it's some place, it's a place that binds us up, trips us up, takes us down a path that could um, mislead us, misdirect us so easily. The Bible's really clear, says a lot about it. Um, in fact, he speaks a lot to the poor and the wealthy. He tells the wealthy, don't, don't, don't focus on all your wealth. Instead, be a giver. In fact, that is the key, is be a cheer, cheerful giver instead of a greedy getter. Can I tell you something? Where's Carson? Carson, wake up, buddy. I'll have a conversation with my buddy Carson over here. You guys can listen in on it. Okay, how about that? So Carson, I'm going to tell you, the key to financial freedom is not getting a lot of money. I know you might think it is because you think if I get a lot of money, I could do whatever I want. I could have whatever I want. But I'm going to tell you that if you gain more, you get more, there's going to be more responsibility. Not just responsibility, but you, it will hold you even tighter. Because more money only begets more money. And the need for more money. And I think, yeah, that's easy for you to say because you've never been poor Want to have a dinner or two? I'll talk to you about how poor I was growing up. The key is to be a giver. And it's a cheerful giver. That means the key to financial freedom is to give with joy. Not begrudgingly. Not out of even obligation. But because you know, you know the truth that all that you have isn't yours anyway. It's a gift from God. The very breath I breathe is a gift from God. The very dollars in my pocket are a gift from God. They're not mine. So when I hold on to it as though it's mine to get, 
it becomes, it owns me. It binds me. It captivates me. But when I look for opportunities to make money, to give it away, huh, it's fun, actually. It's really, really enjoyable. It's a pleasure. It's something that has become cheerful to me. And I know a lot of you can testify to that very thing, too. Cheerful giving is freedom, financial freedom. Amen? Amen. Amen. The last one, and this is good, is it's freedom in relationships, even though this is a really bit, little bit dicey because relationships are challenging. <clears throat> they are about people, and I be one, about people. Uh, so much of life is built around relationships. Hello? You came into this world in a relationship. At least with your mom. So life is about relationships. So to get to a place of being free in relationships, what does that require? And I think it's one simple thing. One simple thing. Stay true to your true self. Stay true to your true self. And I'm saying that, I know, with a risk of saying, well, how do you define your true self? Well, the true self is how God defines you, is how Jesus made you. Not how you feel that morning, what you identify as or who you identify as that day or that week. But it's who Jesus says you are. That's your true self. There was a time... Uh, and I'm going to say it. I'll, I want to share a little story real quick, and then I'm going to read another passage of Scripture that kind of sums it all up. And it's kind of deep. I've taken this little, small little incident and have made it into a deep teaching in my own life, understanding in my own life. Robin and I were at a memorial, a funeral of a friend of ours who passed away suddenly. And as we were... There at this funeral, we were at the reception, and this person liked to drink, so there was a lot of his friends there that were drinking and stuff, and Robin and I were just sitting and relaxing. Well, actually, I had to go use the restroom, <clears throat> and I came back, and sitting at the table that we were sitting at was one of our friends, who was a, a woman who was sitting there um, in the seat that I was sitting, and that was fine, it's like, so I was just standing there, and I'll... And, uh, she looks up, and she knew me, and she knows my wife, and she, she says to me, she says, oh, here, you can sit next to me over here. And um, as she says that, right as she say, says that, her husband steps in on the picture, who had had a few drinks, and says, hey, buddy, stay in your lane. I'm like, what? what? I mean, I'm literally, it's like, do you even know who I am? Like, and he didn't. He didn't care. Because he, at, at that point, he was thinking that he or I or his, I mean, his wife or I were like trying to connect or something. My wife is sitting right there. And I knew this woman. We were friends. And, hey, buddy, stay in your lane. I'm just like, okay. I'm not saying anything in this. I'm not engaging in this. This is one of those situations where, like, you just like, 
yes, sir. (laughs) But it hit me and dawned on me this thing that he was, that he said, and I thought, what a interesting thing to say, stay in your lane. Now, I've heard that phrase a lot, not sometimes in my mind, as I'm driving down the road, stay in your lane, buddy. And I thought, you know, what, what is your lane? What is your lane? What is my lane? And, and I, to take it deeper, it's like, where is the lane? And, and how is the lane defined? And where's the lane going? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of things that like my mind's like, it's a weird place my mind is. But so I'm sitting here thinking of this stay in your lane is exactly what God is saying to us in freedom and in relationships. Stay true to your true self. Stay in your lane. See, God has designed you perfectly, not by accident, not by mistake. He's made you in his image exactly how he has made you. You may be quirky, you may be quiet, you may be a little odd, you may be eccentric, you may even be obnoxious a little bit. Sorry, I didn't mean to look at you, Mark, that was a total, total knee-jerk reaction that I didn't intend, I apologize. Mm-hmm. So, so as I see this, I'm seeing something very, very clear and, and I know this is, is it's, 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 it's tricky because the world, man, the world is doing what? I, I, let's just, let's just, just for a second, just talk about what the world is doing about the lane even. Not, not, just, not just yourself, but even the very lane. They're widening it and even making it to where it goes like goofy directions, removing the lines altogether. Man, can you imagine driving down the highway with no lines? Okay, just envision it. Chaos. Chaos. People doing, going, wherever, however they want. No signs to direct them. No lanes, no lines on the lane to guide them. Hello? That's chaos. The enemy loves chaos. Because right in the midst of chaos, and anybody can testify, in the midst of chaos is, man, that's where the the devil has his fun with me, with you, with any one of us. And I'm not saying the devil creates chaos, but there is chaos in this world. Lanes are being removed. Lines for the lane are being redefined, reshaped. And then even we talk about you, yourself, me. Now, now, me staying there is how God designed me. God created me. So yes, it goes back to the very thing that Jesus said. Those of you who believe in me, hold to my teachings. In other words, hold to the things I say. Learn them. Study them. Listen to them. 
So, and then you will know the truth, and it's that truth that you know is what will set you free. It's not just some vague, you know, generic truth out there. The truth will be known. It's like, no, it's the truth that you know. The truth that you have heard, the truth that you have received about you, who you are in Christ, the child of God, worthy of the Son to give his life for so that you can have life and so that sin and death are no longer captivating me. So that no longer am I directed and, and drawn and pulled and pushed by, the, by the, the lures and the temptations of this world to have and have and have and have more and to be who I have been created to be. And I don't know about you, but, but me, I'm still working on it. I'm still discovering it. I'm still learning who I am in Christ. Hello? Hello? Come on, brothers and sisters. Let's do this together. Rock throwing, all it does is, hey, throws out your elbow and stuff, you know. Let's go to a a passage of scripture. It does more than that. You guys know I was just... In Colossians chapter 2, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up with this passage of Scripture. I, I, I do promise to finish up. Colossians, and it's a, it's a little bit lengthy because uh, I couldn't stop somewhere. I had to, I have to, I know. <laughs> it's a thing. It's my, it's, it's my lane. It's my lane. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Britt. I was going to say, Britt, hey, get that young lady a water. She's already on it. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2, this is in the New Living Translation, says this, starting in verse 6. says, and now, listen, to, I just, just hear this and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to really uh, 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 give these words resignation to your very soul. In other words, let him sink in. Let him take root let him produce what God has intended him to produce. It says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised not by a physical procedure, but by Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with Him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, was not yet cut away. 
Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Yesterday in our Saturday morning men's prayer, a couple of the guys were talking about trying to attain a pardon from the governor. And it's like, no, we, we all came to the conclusion that we don't need no governor's pardon. We got the pardon from the authority that is above all authorities. And that's Jesus. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, you got chills too, Mark, didn't you? I got, whoo. Stuff's, yeah, I might start floating away if I do just like pull me back down. No, just let me go. Let me go. So in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. They are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. In other words, they make you even worse. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So I'm going to, there's a couple more verses actually, uh, 16 to be exact. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. For you died to this life and your real life, real life, real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. <laughs> lurk, lurk. I don't know, that's a funny word to me. <laughs> I don't want no lurkers around me. Nope, no lurking allowed. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That's your lane. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. 
barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. And since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone, anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Last verse. Let the message of, about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Last verse again. <laughs> and whatever you do or say, do it as a representer, a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we are so, so humbled, even this very morning. Just even this very morning as I stand here, standing in this beautiful building with all these amazing, wonderful people in this fantastic city in our free country given the gift the honor the privilege to celebrate you to worship you to choose you as Lord and Savior and this very morning we just simply say yes yes to your salvation we receive your grace. And just as we receive you as Lord and Savior, we continue to walk in your ways. Just as you have set us free, we hold to your freedom. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, continue to set us free. Make us like you. Oh, Jesus, as we worship you, May your spirit just fill us up. Fill us up completely and fully to where peace and joy and rest in our souls just overflows with thankfulness. And may we represent you well to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.